I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> he was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, built. But I burst out laughing about <laughs> So I was hoping for a, a Limerick interview today, uh, Connell, you know, a little bit of reaction from the All-Ireland final, but I've been following a few of them on Instagram and to say taking a call from this show would be the least thing on their minds. They're sitting at a river in the sun. This is just, when you think back to last December and they won an All-Ireland with nobody in the stadium yeah. and massive worry around COVID around winter time, and could they go into a pub, could they do anything? They've had 40,000 of the loudest fans ever and they have the the nicest weather that they could ever hope for. It's like being in the Costa del Sol in Limerick for the week. Like it's some change in the celebrations. We never had a chance of getting one of them, basically. No, like I can only imagine, uh, you know, after a win and the, the couple of days after are the most enjoyable when you're sit, all sitting around and everyone's nice and relaxed and everyone's having a couple of drinks and the slagging is going flying it and some some reporter rings you, like you're probably <laughs> ringing them and they're like, Jay's less I'm not answering this and then nobody answers it. Like, so... Yeah, look, it's difficult, but uh, it would have been nice to hear some of their reactions, like, you know, when they're not, when there's no pressure on them and, and you know, it's a couple of days after the final to get a real insight. But obviously, that's just the way it is. Like, pretty much nearly like the fo- Dublin footballers, Everton is kept in house. And, yeah. And uh, you're nearly always on duty. That's the way it is. On a, like an ideal world, someone to take a video call and I talk to all of them at the pub. <laughs> 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 that's fairy tale stuff that's just not going, to, not going to happen. I wanted to talk a bit, Paddy, about uh, John Kiley. And kind of how unassuming he is and like Canerk let's be honest gets a lot of the credit for the tactical stuff and rightly so because he he's very very good at that kind of stuff John Kiley you know is the manager but he's not like this is a three-time All-Ireland winning, winning manager now and he wouldn't be kind of spoken in the same way as a Davy Fitzgerald or a Brian Cole you know like or a Liam Sheedy why, why is that? Well, I suppose maybe that when it comes to media, those they have a, an aura around them, 
Um, I don't think John Kiley has that aura around him, and I'd say it suits him down to the ground. There doesn't seem to be much of a showbiz off him. Even I know he might say that about Cody, but he just seems to have that presence. Um, and he was a one one man band, really. Cody, you don't we don't talk much about the guys behind the scenes on the management. No, he's just that fearsome Darth Vader type figure. Like so, um, John Kiley kind of blends into the background, but I, I do think it's obvious to see in his interviews that there's a really hard edge. Um, and especially the first game of the season when he wasn't happy with the rule changes, I would say it comes across uh, to the players that he is the boss. But I often say with managers, um, when you see them doing media, they're trying to portray a different look on themselves. Even even anybody, maybe me or whoever, or you're, you're portraying, maybe you're, you don't want to portray your true self. Um, and I would have seen that with definitely with Liam Sheedy. He's probably sterner than what he seems in the media. And Eamon O'Shea is probably more relaxed than what he seems in the media. So right. I think you're not trying to show any of the weaknesses. So I could imagine a, a principal there now is well used to keeping people in check and I could imagine that nothing goes without his say-so. What, what's your take on the con? I, I've noticed a bit more intensity from him on the line. Like, I mean, when lads are coming off, he'll, you know, he'll just kind of maybe give them the fist. You know, I, I see him a little bit more intense this year. Not so much in his interview, maybe even a bit more in his interviews. <coughs> yeah, look, I'd say he's a, he's a great manager to play under. Like, uh, it's there's, there's no razzmatazz, there's no you know sideshows going on. It's it's black or white with him. Like you perform, you play, and we're here to perform for Limerick, and there's no one above anyone else. And it's like nearly Jim Gavin had that for a while. And and yeah, Paddy's right. The managers and players and try to throw out this perception of them where they where whether they wanted to keep a low key or, or they want to just say very little in the media, whatever it is, and, and just chug along and get the results. Like, I know, like Pat Gilroy is the same. You you, you go to these press conferences or, or media media nights and he, you're more or less told what to say before you walk in here. Like, you're keeping it to this and that's, you don't, you know, you're not going off script um, because you don't want any attention going either way. And he's the exact same. He's all about results, uh, Kylie and... Um, and, and it's proven like that. I don't think he really cares that he's not, uh, and I'd say it probably suits him that he's not the same kind of attention that Davy or, or, or Sheedy, whoever gets, because ultimately it comes down to results and it, it comes down to what's the squad thinking and your own supporters. It's, it's, it's irrelevant what the lads in the Sunday game think or, or what we think. They don't, they don't even listen, I'd say, to any of that. And, and I think being a good manager, it, it, a good manager and ha, uh, is having the trust in the guys around you, being letting them flourish and letting them dictate a lot of the times okay sometimes they might need to be checked and pulled back a little bit but having the trust in your guys around you and having the trust in the players to go and, and express themselves albeit in one general game plan but um, I think that's that's a huge uh, benefit that, that Kylie has that he's not afraid to let other people get a bit of limelight or let them let them do what they're good at because he particularly maybe might be good in certain areas but overall he could just gel it all together and yeah. that's what a good manager is in business or in, or in, uh, yeah. f- in hurling or football. I, I think that's it and like I think it was the Tipperary game uh, Paddy where after the game he gave the credit to Canark for the switch. Now don't tell me Cody mm. or Davy or Sheedy or any of them he would say we made that switch or I made that switch. Like he said, John, or, uh, Paul Canark's very good at that stuff and he spotted it very quickly and completely gave the credit over to him. Like, I mean, there can be no ego there whatsoever. No, I'd say very authentic and that does reflect onto the players. I would admire that. If I was, if I was um, any part of that panel at all, I would, I really respect that sort of thing um, because it shows I'm not here for myself. Like there's there's a lot of talk that the first day he got involved with Limerick underage was when Tip 
you know, we beat him very, very well in 0-9 comprehensively and that was a straw that broke the camels back for him. So a lot of people would be running at that stage and saying, Jesus, I'm not getting involved with this Limerick crowd. Yeah. Um, you know, there's too much work to be done. We're laughing stuff. And he went the other way. So he's only there. He came in at the very bottom and now he's he's seen it all the way to the top. Um, but I'd say, he, and he gives it off to the players as well. But if you do that, if you're giving the praise to the players when they deserve it, to the management, then you also reserve the right that when they don't work hard enough or they're not up to standard, that you can chew the head off them because they know then you're not doing it because they're frustrated. Maybe you didn't prepare the team well enough. You're frustrated because they're not playing up to their ability. And I think that is, in this day and age, players are too smart and that is vital to have. Yeah, yeah Garod Hegarty said after the game, like it's actually gas. He says we're absolutely blessed with the management team John John has put together. Paul's trainings are absolutely unbelievable. Nobody sees them, um, and that's the way we want it. You know, like instead of going, God, we're so lucky to have John. It's we're so lucky to have the team John put together. Yeah, well, I, I, I think that just comes from probably the mantra that John has been preaching since he's been in there. It's it's all about the collective and not and not any individual. And look. Players in, in situations like that, they sniff any little bit of hassle or anything that goes on in a squad because you're watching absolutely everything. And and if, if John is giving the praise to other guys and letting them uh, have certain roles, everyone feels part of it. And there's no, you know, there's no one going off on a solo run or if something doesn't go right, that's then when the problems really arise where someone will be like, Jesus, I knew that wasn't going to happen. You know, you go in your little twos and trees and that cuts all that out because everyone has a role and everyone's on the one uh, uh, hymn sheet and um, look credit to him for doing that it's not the easiest thing to do and it's a very hard uh, thing to get a whole panel all happy because there's always three or four lads that are either A not happy to be in the squad or not or, or not happy to be sitting on the bench or whatever it is so credit to him for that and, and I think uh, everyone that's there is is a valuable member of the, of the management team be it lads picking up the cones or lads going collecting the slitters or be it John himself so everyone's exactly the same there's no one above anyone else Yeah exactly and like I mean a lot of people say to win two in a row Paddy you have to you know bring in some new players onto the team they're pretty much working with the same starting 15 or maybe 16 well Catty's dropped out now and Casey's there all the time you know Dan Morrissey has come in because in my case he was injured but like I mean it's pretty much the same 15 and you know we always praise Brian Cody for saying you know you've always or Jim Gavin you bring in two or three fresh ones to kind of keep everybody on their toes. So he seems to be able to keep everyone on his toes without ha- without doing that, which that's always hindsight analysis, I suppose. Whereas, you know, it, it, we should, you know, acknowledge the fact that he hasn't done that really and is still getting them to, no. to perform at the level they are. Yeah, well, I suppose you have to look back into the roots of it and look back into the league this year. And I think they tried the most players out in the league. So I think from the very start, it's known that it's an open-ended panel and an open-ended team. Now, at the end of the day, he's probably happiest that by the time the All-Ireland final came, he arrived at the obvious best team that Limerick have. The obvious best team that they have is what lined out on Sunday. But if you let complacency come in, and you don't try out these players, and you let Aaron Galan, you know, tip away, and he's not working hard enough. Maybe he gets taken off, and he gets to start again. And he gets to start again. Suddenly, that filters through a team. So you had Aaron Galan got dropped for the Munster final. Yeah. Now he's now he's he's buzzing, saying, "I need to be performing better." You've the lad Graham Mulcahy is kind of on another edge, saying, "Well, I still have a chance in this team." Tom, uh, Morrissey, fullback, is it Tom um, Dan. or Dan? Sorry, sorry, Dan. I always get mixed up. He, he wasn't starting for the first round, the second round. I'm, I'm beating it all year saying, geez, he is their best fullback, maybe one of their best wingbacks. He has to be starting. He wasn't starting. So you have all these guys, they know well 
they are the best players, but they know if they're not going at it, then he won't start them. And I think, right, it's easy to say now, Jesus, they got their best team on the field, they're playing well, but that happens from the start of the year, knowing that it's actually not safe if they're not, if they're not playing to the, to the standard required. Dro- dropping Galan was a big one. That was a big Massive one, and that's play. a big message that, that he sends out. Tom Morrissey was talking after the game. He says, with all the additions to the panel and pe- people chasing your spot, if you have, um, you have to have that desire to be a better hurler, a better athlete, um, then you can always improve on different facets of your game on and off the pitch, whether it be sleep, nutrition, or in the gym, your, or your hurling ability. Just that desire to be better. If you're not moving forward, you're going to be passed out. And I suppose that's obviously the message they're all given. That, like, look at the physiques of them. Do you ever see like Keen Lynch without his uh, jersey on? He's yeah. like, like you're looking at someone like it's like Ronaldo's. You know, like yeah, this yeah. No, there's sculpted no one there with physique. A spare tire sticking out. No, that, sir. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the jersey's getting tired. Tired. Yeah. I'm glad I'm retired now. But but they just seem to have this insatiable desire to almost be like professionals. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I think that just comes down to, obviously, the individuals themselves. It comes down to John and, and, and the management team setting the standards. And it also comes down to the, the games and training. Like, I'm sure, it's like nearly every inter-county team. A's will play the B's. And then at halftime, if, if, if some so-called A starter isn't doing well, he's swapped onto the B's. And some lad the B is swapped up. And then questions are asked. And then you're wondering... If that's you that's moved from the A to the B, you're like, Jesus, like, uh, am I not going to be playing next week now? What's the story? Like, so you have to try and put more of an effort in to get back into the A's. And it's, it's, uh, look, it's credit to them. I, uh, you have to give it to them. They're, they're head and shoulders above every, every team at the minute. Now, look, it's very hard to maintain that over a long period of time. And will they be able to do it? Their age profile at Everton is, is going that way to say, yes, they'll be around for a long time. But look, you just never know. Like, New man in Tipperary will rejuven- rejuvenate them. And Not in yet. No, no, I, t- I, I said <laughs> oh, and, and new man. man. I, I thought you were talking about Kyle. Uh, will be in and, you know, t- that'll give Tipperary a new lease of life and I suppose they feel that they can go at them. Okay, they disappointed in the second half but at least they know they have the ability to go at them for a certain period and Kilkenny will probably come again and you just never know how it goes, you know, but um, it's all is set up that Limerick could be there for another while but I think we say that nearly after every All-Ireland, yeah. you know, but think the age profile of these lads and and the the ability of them and I know we talked about it loads of times but it's this unbelievable the 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 touch and the hurling that they have like yeah. the, the and it's been said loads and we said it here that the ball sticks every time whether it's inside whether it's into the hand or whether it's a hand pass across never drops and while I suppose Cork would needed that second or third touch then the weekend and that just kills you because they're just swarming you take the ball off you and it's nearly game over at that yeah. point and Cork are a very skillful team which makes it you know you know even even more confusing I want to talk about hurling and football tactics here Paddy and I don't want to upset any hurling people that are listening I'm wondering how far behind football tactically is hurling because hurling in the last two or three years has uh, you know and Canark has used a lot of football kind of keep the ball possession based game a running game you know almost football like deliveries into the full forward line diagonal balls all these things which have been in football for a good while like and like Paul Murphy said on the show on Monday that it was 2019 was the first time he's ever seen a bunch and break in the full forward line so like I mean and that was against Limerick so they're marking lads and they're crisscrossing and they're all in together and they're breaking out. Now, like, I'm not being smart. That's in Gaelic football since the year 2000 or, you know, before. And so they had to figure out during the game, we stand on the outside of these lads and things like that. And like, you know, Kieran Donaghy went in with Galway and immediately I saw a difference in the full forward line in Galway. They went two with one in front of them, a bit like Limerick and their movement was good. And I'm just wondering, like, traditionally in hurling, 
you, you don't need movement like Gaelic football, you know, because a high ball often was cleared down and, you know, you wouldn't be breaking for it maybe like you, you need to now. Um, and I'm ju- I don't know, would, would, hurling, would hurling teams benefit from a, a fellow with a football background? I think I think they would. I don't think there's any doubt of that. Um, it depends on the fella, obviously. Uh, we certainly would have had Keane O'Neill involved uh, with us when Liam Sheedy came in first. So we had him for, I think it was three to four years. Um, and I thought he brought a lot. He brought a lot in terms of tackling. He brought a lot in terms of small-sided games um, and tactical elements. So that was only one person involved for a few years. Um, so I definitely, I definitely do. I think the organisation. But... The only problem with hurlers, and in my experience of hurlers, is we're, we're extremely set in our ways. Um, and if you only ever play hurling all your life, and you didn't play soccer, you didn't play rugby or Gaelic football, um, then I, I find that your vision for how the game can be played is completely different. It's a really, really narrow view. Yeah. And talk of doing something different nearly upsets a player especially a club player, nearly upsets him and said, well, I know how to play this stuff. And the the thought of growth and personal growth and growth in their gameplay isn't as open. And I, I just think it is difficult, but it is coming in more and more. But I never thought we'd see the ability of a player that Limerick have at the minute, as Connell said there, they're taught you. I talk about their physicality is unbelievable, their attitude. But to be able to get the ball to the hand nearly every time, and even sometimes... There's lads tackling him. I see Will O'Donnell throwing it over a guy's head to touch it back to himself. So how, it's like magnet to him. So you do need to have that skill. But certainly tactics are forming more and more part of the game. But look, I think I'd go back in and say, look, I think football would have less tactics if there was more practice in the skill form. Uh, I have lots of players, friends that play football. And I think if their skills were better in general, their kicking was better. I don't think they'd need and have to rely as much on the, on the tactics either. One, one thing about Gaelic football and Jim McGuinness won in All-Ireland from counter-attack football. And those, when they turned over the ball and broke, players weren't used to it, Connell. You know, you might stand up. You wouldn't be used to working hard and having to chase back that counter-attack. And Paul Murphy was saying on Monday as well that hurlers still haven't gotten used to tracking a runner that doesn't have the ball. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's not really in the psyche. And like, even, like there's lots of really smart hurling people who don't even like the fact that hurlers are picking each other out with passes. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's a strange one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, look, there's, I think in the last couple of minutes, there's, there's so much there to pick on. Uh, do football guys bring something to the hurling? Yeah, they obviously do. But I think someone from like a rugby background or a basketball background can also bring something to. I think, I think, yeah, the hurling has probably been traditionally, you know, we play nearly corner forward, will come out and drift around and play two up front, and that was always the way. And and now it is. Look, I think it's changing not just this year and the last previous for them even like five years. I think it's been changing a little bit. Teams have been trying things like. I've often seen Kilkenny, as I was saying to you before, Kilkenny have put four, if not five, in the half-back line if things aren't going their way for a few minutes and then they'll push back again and go out. So, um, And they used they did that back when, when we used to play them under daily. So when we were well aware of that and then we tried to do the same thing, but obviously it's a different situation. But uh, I think you, you have to be open-minded to tactically uh, what other people can bring and other games can bring, uh, other sports can bring to it. And um, Limerick are probably trying that. Uh, They're bringing a little bit of that uh, football element to to it at the minute. Um, So like this, I agree with Paddy as well that tactics 
are to do with nearly the players that you have and you, and the skill set of them. Because at the minute, football is played with so much hand passing and slowing it down because, because lads haven't got the ability to kick a ball 50 or 60 yards in and give it the forward side of, of the state of full forward that's made, made a little burst. They just haven't got the ability to do that. So what else do they do? They hand pass, hand pass, hand pass and get it up and try and get someone through, get it free. And, and sl- that's how it's kind of progressed a little bit. Yeah. So hurling is a little different. I don't think it's going to go majorly in uh, tactical because you can still bypass if you have a good lad in the full forward you can still bypass a lot to get a lad in and he could catch a ball and bang it in the net and then all your tactics are are in the middle are out the window but yeah yeah, it's very hard to play a short hurling game if you're not like Limerick if if you try and play it uh, and you drop the ball or someone's dropping the ball coming out of half back line and you're turned over goal then the next day in training, you're thinking, well, I don't think we should play like this because we're leaving ourselves open. If lads are running and we're not getting the, the, the not first touch. Not good enough touch, to get at the hand. Yeah, yeah, so there's loads in it. And look, I think Limerick are, are the top team and they can decide whatever way they want to play and, and, and they can go along, which I was so surprised at how, how much space is just left there. They just seem to be, they need to see, the tactics seem to be hit it either side of the, nearly the, the, the posts you know, outside the men and it's irrelevant if they look up or if they're not because the lads inside Galan and, and, and Flanagan know these balls are going to these spots so they can make, you know, they can just dodge one way and go the other and they're both splitting so if it goes left or right they know where the ball is going to, they know the space there so uh, it, it sounds very simple but it, it takes an awful lot of work for to trust the guys outside that the ball is going to come in and hit these spots and yes they have to be patient the lads inside because they don't need to be running like a football and sometimes in the football or whatever you need to be making one, two, three runs you hear this and then your fourth or your third run you get the ball in Hurland with, with, with the way Limerick are playing you can stand you can stand there with your man and, and just make one jink and, and he, you're marking my fall for it and you're gone out to that side because you know the ball is coming and you can get it into your hand and you've saved so much energy because the ball can come that whatever 60 or 70 yards. Yeah. I know that's an, a, a long-winded answer to whatever but there's, there is a lot tactically but you need to have the players that have a serious skill set to, to be able to change it up so quickly. The 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 idea that like the for for the Galan goal Paddy, right? So this is something you play cornerback a lot. Like this is where I see movement in a full forward line isn't coached that well in hurling, especially for the new style of hurling that's there. So for example, if you're marking uh, left corner back your man will generally run out his own wing and try to collect ball and you can read that and get out in front of him get a touch away yeah. so if you look at the Galan goal Flanagan was on the other side of the field right and Gal- that looked like it was going to be a diagonal ball to Galan Galan's side Galan got out of there and Flanagan came across now O'Donoghue thought that okay I'll tell you what I'll do I'll stay here because this is the, you know the usual I'll beat my man for the ball and Flanagan won it and put it across the glen, he's completely free. Do you get me? Like, they're making runs away from the ball, which is definitely not, uh, you know, something that's usual in, in, in hurling. And it's definitely confusing cornerbacks. A hundred percent. I suppose there's a couple of elements in that. Number one is that there was only really two inside at the time, probably within 40 metres. Maybe Casey was a little bit out from goal. So you know you have all that space. The big mistake that a lot of forwards I would ever have marked... Um, particularly back in the earlier days is it was in and out so vertical in and out that run and it was like even no matter what space was there and especially if you play three forwards inside they really only had that little column yeah. in the middle left or right to, to move in but now as I said you're using two guys so they can move over and back now that's that's tough enough but 
another element I think the Limerick guys have is they're so mature in their system now. Sometimes they're moving to get the ball, and other times they're moving for their partner to get the ball. And I think that is a huge level to be on because uh, a lot of the time you're as a forward, like two year forwards, you know, you want to get on the score sheet. I'm in the forward. I want to stay on the field, so I want to feel good about myself or uh, whatever. I think I'm helping the team, but they know a lot of the time. Flanagan say, well, if I run out of this space, I know Aaron Glenn has a huge mountain of space to run into and he's going to have an easy ball in so I think they're working very well together I think as Colin said that ball is travelling into the same spots every time it was like Groundhog Day I actually felt so bad for the cornerbacks the fullbacks like it it was nigh on impossible uh, to defend from um, but they're, they're they're over and over again they're, they're very very good but, but for that but, goal but, but Paddy, it was a, a crosswire just, just a quick one on that so like I mean do you remember the last day Damien was making a laugh of me because traditionally the, the defender stays goal side of his man now I understand mm-hmm. that but that's the traditional way of yeah. doing it if for example the two cor- the, the, you have Flanagan and Galan standing on the edge of the square if those two cornerbacks stood on the outside of these two fellas and you're not marking either of them. You're marking the lad that crisscrosses towards you. Very you've difficult. Got a, you've got a step yeah. on him then, don't difficult. you? Very difficult. Very difficult. So? Like, yeah. so difficult. Because yeah. to say, if uh, the two of us are playing inside here and we're being marked on the outside, all I have to do is, is, is walk over towards you and nearly go, uh, even just loop around you and come back out my own side if you get me into the left side. So and all you want your defender to do is just check back once to look, to see where you are. And when he checks back once, you're gone. Like and he can't pull you back. Them days are gone. Where if he pulls you back, you're, you nearly go down. You, you whatever, it'd be free in. So I think it's it, to mark on the outside uh, and to hope that you're going to uh, catch your man when he makes that break coming across. It, it's very difficult. You want to be have serious pace and be reading the game really, really well. But on that, have you seen anyone within two or three meters of Flanagan when he breaks the way they're doing it? No, but they're they're breaking so smartly. They wouldn't even be calling with each other. They, it's nearly just eye contact, and because they've been playing so long together, they know that if they see the possession coming down the line, coming down the line, when it gets to a certain area, they know right. We have to go, and we both obviously don't go. Sometimes they do go the same direction, but one will go long, and one will stay in nice Longer and tight. Line, yeah. So if the ball is if the ball is uh, come say to the forty five, then Flanagan is out first. He okay, but if it goes in behind him, well then Galan is there. So they they know. They just know, it just seems to know when the ball is hurt in certain positions or certain players have the ball that it's either going diagonal or it's going to come down nice and short. So yeah. that, that that doesn't come overnight. That comes with years and years of practice and they're, playing with the same players all the time. They're smart enough to know as well. Uh, you're not just dealing with over and across the line. You have depth there as well. So one guy can be on the, um, the six-yard box and he's moving across that line or out and the other guy is on the 14 or the 21. So we're, we're thinking of it as just over and back, but they can move forward and backwards as well. They have 180 degrees to work in, in front of them. That, and if you try and read it like that, we, we actually played Cork, did it years ago now actually before, and it was horrendous. And a couple of our lads said, maybe we'll stay on the same side and tried it for a couple of plays. They're able to run out the middle as well. Like it's just, you have to try and stay close to your man, unfortunately. That's where a sweeper comes in because he will cut a portion of that space out and then you might be able to actually go on the inside or yeah. the outside. Could, could you mark Flanagan from the front? Now I know you couldn't mark Alan from the front because he's brilliant in the air and it's too risky but could you mark Flanagan from the front? Flanagan's always trying to break out. Could you mark him from the front then? At least give him something different to think about. Well I think if you're playing a sweeper back it allows you maybe to, to go one side or the other but I think playing him from in front sure, he, he may just 
jerk to go forward and come back and go left. Like, so you're then you're caught, you know. The well, safest, you pull across that space. The safest bet is to play him, uh, obviously, goal side and, and hope that he doesn't kind of come, go around and, you, OK, you might get a block in or you might stop something. But look, I think playing two up front, especially those two guys, it's it's nearly impossible when there's so much space. Now, if, you, if the space isn't there, it's a little bit different because then they only have over and back nearly to go. But... They had all the, uh, they, they had it, it was like a dream for them on the weekend. And yeah. I got the impression that that Limerick, they didn't really need to go into that extra gear. They didn't look that tired for, for me. They weren't working unbelievably hard, but they were do, they were just going going through it as if Cork weren't even there. It was just so easy for them. It was so um, easy, yeah. But just on, on the other one, on, on tactically inside for the forwards, like, I wasn't the paciest inside and I used to play a little bit of football with, with say with Alan Brogan. He was pacey and he wanted space, right? Yeah. So there was a couple of times when we were, maybe it was against Leeds or whatever, we, in Crow Park, we used to come together and I and he used to be always hovering around me because he knew that that he could obviously get to that pockets of space before I could get there. So we'd be in nearly on top of the keeper and I'd be like, this is a nightmare. Alan, will you keep out? And he'd never keep out because <laughs> he knew that, that, that any ball that was coming in, he was gone, he'd get it. So I think... That was the start for where you're all together. You're nearly in on top of the keeper, and he'd go around the back of you. So his man would come around. So you're obviously going to block his man. So he, that's always what he'd get that whatever five or six yards ahead of everyone else out to get the ball, and then so then he's off. Yeah. But it's uh, look, they're all just little, little things. I think players pick up as as you go. But um, when they have when good players that have pace have space. There's not much you can do. It's, it's difficult, yeah. yeah. There's no doubt about it. If the ball's coming in, is right. Would you ever had a situation, Paddy, just to move off this, where there's two or three men in full forward line and they're close together, and your man makes a break and the other towards one of his teammates, and one of his teammates blocks you, and he gets away on out. Yeah, yeah, that's happened to me. Very, very, very frustrating. Um, and that's actually where, as a cornerback, I'd, I'd be nearly lashing out at that stage. or so frustrated <laughs> with it. Um, even a little walk in front of you, and I've seen it happen a lot, but that does happen. And I, it's probably one thing tactically, like if you can call it a tactic, you know, from puck outs, you'd see that happening a bit as well. And you should see it a bit more, I'd say, in GA. But it certainly does happen. But again, I think hurling is a very fast sport when they when you're being coached at growing up, it's nearly all about the skills because if you don't have them, you'll never do a tactic. And I think we're, we are stunted slightly with that because we're so preoccupied in high ball, low ball, striking, everything. There's so much, in my opinion, in it that tactics are sometimes left behind a little. And that's why I think other sports would be brilliant to play just to kind of fill in that gap. Yeah, the the one thing I've always been talking about the this Limerick half-forward line and like I'm on the side now where you nearly have to play a sweeper against Limerick and let your half-back line man-mark very, very tight because invariably Limerick will, get, will free up a, one of the defenders anyways. You have to deal with Hannon being the extra man no matter what way you play. So yeah. why not just get it down there, have everyone clear what you're doing? Because we were saying on Monday when Keane Lynch didn't drop too deep, it was almost impossible for Cork to drop the mid, their midfielder onto Markham and then you have Coleman trying to drop off him in a dangerous position. It was a total mess. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't... I Like, the way Keane Lynch played on Sunday I don't think any team can ever think about dropping their, their, their centre back off him Yeah look it probably was a dream for, for Keane he, when he had so much space and and, and he was beat, his mark was dropping off him but I just can't see how you'd sit on a Tuesday or Thursday before a big game and you'd say right who do we have to man mark here like Keane Lynch is definitely the first man you'd say no matter where he goes you just go with him don't pass him off to anyone because passing him off is giving Keane Lynch that licence to get to get that couple of seconds where he probably will get the ball and set up something so 
if you if 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 that's the case, you have to stay with these guys all the time. Whether Keen whether Keen goes back down to to, the, to his own whatever full back line, you just go with him. And and at some stage, then we, we can make a change. But you can't leave lads like that with that quality free, and especially in big games. It, it's just madness. And yeah. there seemed to be two or three of them. Garrod Hegarty, how many times was he free? I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know what whether it was zonal or Tim O'Matney was marking him, but he can be a bit of a headless chicken at times. Like yeah, look, uh, maybe Cork did have some tactics, and it just didn't work. And it just all went out the window. Lads, just whatever the blinkers came down, and, and they just went, went on and, and did their own kind of thing. But it it very much was was worrying for Cork uh, to see how quickly um, Limerick got got the got the ball and got inside, and were nearly free all the time, which was very strange. Isn't it a weird one that Cork uh, Paddy would been almost better had the nuts had uh, had Kilkenny just pipped them by a pint in that semi final? Did yeah. have an awful lot to work on in the year. Kilkenny, would Kilkenny have gotten that hammering off Limerick? I'd say they probably would have, yeah. Um, yeah, I think they would have because if they weren't able to shut down Cork, shut down Cork's game, what chance would they have had against Limerick? I don't think they would have had a yeah. chance. Jeez, Even if surprised. we talk about midfielders, if they got the hammer. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't. I, I, technically, I think they would have been a lot better. They would have been conceded those goals. No way. I, I, well, I'm just that's my. I opinion, think so. Man. Definitely, the kamikaze defending we saw from Cork, you wouldn't have seen that from Kilkenny, Paddy. Why Cork scored well against them? Like I don't see. I, Wexford scored well against them. I don't see why Limerick wouldn't score well against. Them. No, I'm think, more they, thinking about the goals. Talking about, I don't see like Tipperary when they're running the muckrail score goals against Kilkenny. I don't. I think they would. It would have been the same thing to me because they just drown you around the middle of the field, and you can't. And you're left out. Uh, you're left on your own inside. Um, I would say the Cork full backline, Barry Lawler. You know, I think they actually no, they have a good full backline. But I still think they'd have been under serious pressure, and they actually might have been as bad because they're not used to the ball going in the way it was going in the other day and I think eventually no matter who they played the ball starts going in like that because they just empty it like look why was um, why was Hegarty on his own for that goal like Tim they were wrecked they were absolutely wrecked and I said it before all these teams playing Limerick uh, no no matter their skill their skill is unbelievable but they're heavyweights and it's like they're boxing uh, cruiserweights yeah. and if you if you're getting hit by uh, a man heavier than you all that time you have to carry his weight you can't go. And Cork looked like they were unfit. And they weren't. They just looked unfit compared to the slimmer team. And then you start making errors and you start not being able to uh, bunch around the players and eventually it comes undone. I think they would have taken the same bet. Yeah. When, when you, like, I mean, Jesus, the one thing that just stood out to me a mile is Jack O'Connor tried to take on Kyle Hayes by flicking it over him and Kyle Hayes just put his head like it's like a, yeah. like when he yeah. talk, when Paddy talks about a heavyweight with a cruiserweight that's a heavyweight with a, a middle like a, a lightweight yeah. just did, did like physique wise like and they uh. do wear you down then and they, Limerick don't tire we saw what they did to Tipperary like there's so many things teams need to catch up on them tactically how do we figure this out tactically where are we physically? Yeah. You know, where are we? Like, the one thing really bothers me is their zonal defence for the puck out. So we talked about it. If we talked about this on the show and we're trying to tease it out and see what you do, you know, if they're zonal and there's not many targets and we know they're half-back line and Brendan Cummins even talking in the Independent where Kyle Hayes and Dermot Burns stood on the outside of them, mm. of their men, definitely for puck outs. That's part of their zonal. They don't want to give you that space to break in yeah, towards yeah. the wings. Yeah. So... Like, I mean, even a more basic one, why don't the two wing forwards and the centre forward all meet, have the goalkeeper scratch his head, have the two wing forwards, and now you've three on one on Hannon and drop it on Hannon's head. 
Well, Kyle Hayes and Dermot Burns not at least the next time followed her men in a bit. And now you've your space in the wing. I saw yeah. none of that from Cork. And this is a tactic now Limerick are using for three years. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. I think we and talked saw, about it before. Yeah. Overloading one side uh, with, with a potential to try and, you know, have a two on one or a three on one. And if it worked, well, then something has to change. Hannon has to move in or whatever the case. But they didn't try it. And I I, 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 I remember that incident where O'Connor was soloing in and, and Kyle Hayes just flicked the ball off him. But... Like there was no support to help him. Like O'Connor, but that's his game, though. Like the analysis before the game was, oh, let's run at them and take them yeah, on. Yeah, like yeah. they ran at them and they were like, just they didn't work at all. You yeah, know? I know it is Too their game and strong and, and pace is is what they were trying to do and, and run at. And yes, it worked for the Kingston's goal, but there was a lot of space at that point. But it would have been the thing if if someone's going, someone has to support them. Like you have to be on his shoulder. So because of the chances are these guys are going to be catching up to you or or they're going to run into some traffic. So someone has to be off his shoulder. There wasn't like. A lot of it was like individual kind of yeah, brilliance yeah. at times, um, which, look, I don't know, it, it, you could probably say it was it was bad tactically by Cork, but you have to give credit to Limerick. I think they, um, Paddy's right, they just wear you down and wear you down and you look like you're just a really bad team or a bad hurler at the time because they make you like that. Yeah, no, that's definitely it. Well, a little bit of fun here, lads, with the comparisons to 2008. Who would win in a who would win in a match between Kilkenny 08 and Limerick now? I'm saying Limerick now if they were to play each other because the system would be Kilkenny. But if that Kilkenny team was playing in modern hurling, you know, and were playing the current style, which they could adapt to, who who would uh, who would win? Um, is, that, is that to me is that the Grenado <laughs> first, is that? I generally don't like I... this kind of nonsense because it's different yeah, eras, it's, impossible. It's not... Neither do I. Neither do I. But uh, I suppose it's 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 coming up in in, in uh, as a topic a lot. And a fair, in fairness, it's it's right to come up in a way because this Limerick team, I think, are unbelievable. Obviously, the only way I think you can judge it is actually nearly going player to player because it has changed so much. Even Kilkenny back then were probably real raw tactics, like very much direct, but they were so good to win it. And you can't assume they wouldn't be able to play another way. Yeah. But if you if you go player to player. Um, I would nearly pick Kilkenny. Um, I think Limerick have unreal players, like brilliant, but they function so well as a team. Like I'd have seen a couple of the players hurling with their club and not stand out half as well, but they're just, it's 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 come on so much, it's evolved so much, like they're brilliant. But if I look at even the half-back line alone, I love Kyle Hayes, but I don't think he's okay going forward. He's got to a great level, but I don't think you could say he's a JJ Delaney yet. Um, Tommy Walsh and Dermot Burns and sorry Tommy Walsh is one of the best defenders to ever play the game uh, and even Hogan in the middle for me is, ever, is probably better than Declan Hannon just as a number if I was to pick a number six I needed to stand in in any team I'd probably pick a Hogan I think he's faster stronger uh, not as good a hurler but more, even more driving him. So, like, uh, if I go into the fours and I want a lad to just win a raw ball like if it's a coming between uh, a tight match you know, I think Kilkenny probably have more lads that will probably stand up and no matter what ball is given to them, do something with it. You now, I could be right. You could maybe argue the other way, but to me, hurler to hurler, I'd probably say Kilkenny. Yeah. See, the problem with that is, I'm going to move off this because it is silly. The problem with that is we've only seen Kyle Hayes at 23. We've seen JJ's whole career yeah, all day. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah, you're comparing yeah. one fifth Snippet, of a career yeah. versus a full career. So, yeah. like, I mean, okay, look, it's, 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 you'll go Kilkenny too. I know you will. Yeah, I probably would go Kilkenny because I probably played against them and take a few beatings off them. So, yeah. I, I know how good all of them were. They were more dominating. Were. Yeah. 
but not yet. We, we, as of now, they're more dominating. Yeah. But Limerick could dominate like that. Yeah, they could. They could. They, obviously, we said they, they have everything that they that they the ingredients to do that. But it's still a long way to go yet, though. Like to to I think to reach the peaks that that like any team reached and individually. They had some unbelievable hurlers, and yes, Limerick do too, and they're very good. But might be a little bit early to try and say that Limerick are a little bit better or better than that team of that like any team at the minute. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Right, we'll move on from that. Um, Tipperary didn't hang around Paddy, anyways. Like the leave the speculation go. The minute Liam Sheedy hangs up, they're all looking for looking for their new man straight away. Is impressive stuff. Yeah, that's the job. <laughs> try and get it done quickly. I think, especially in modern hurling, I think uh, preseason is so important that you need to get players going straight away. You know yourself now, if this rattles on for another two months, then the whoever comes in is trying to get their management team in place. Then like players haven't been got together for the S&C programme. So all of a sudden they're behind things. Yeah. Um, and that has happened before. So I think very, very important, as we hear, it, it seems like from the media, they've gone for Liam Cal straight away with, you know, uh, with, with huge need that this team has at the minute. So I'm delighted that they've set their stall out no, none of this. Let's talk to all the different guys that need to go for Liam Cal and hope that he, he's happy to take it. Yeah, it's impressive enough. Is this technically tapping up? Um, I know his two-year contract is up, but he's an ext- he's an option for another one. So, like, I mean, like if this was the Premier League, you'd be getting fined for this kind of stuff, Cal. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Look, I, I suppose from a Tipperary point of view, they want to get their best man and, and they, they feel that he is. And, and he clearly is, right? Yeah, so let's go get him. Is that, yeah. that's, that's the attitude and they're probably right. Look, I think if you're a Waterford player... You, You'd be you'd be you'd be dreading that that text or the phone call that's coming to say, listen, I, I you know it's my whatever I've been born there and dreamed to play manage this team, and I think now is the time I have to do it. So it's disappointing for Waterford possibly, but um, look, I think it's good for Tip. I think he'll be very very good for Tip. He'll bring that new exciting excitement back to Tip, and he he knows all those young lads, and I don't think he's going to disregard any of the older lads either. You know, you need a little, still that mix. Um, and he might just light the fire under a few of those so-called older lads and that might just get another another season out of him. Yeah, he's good at lighting fires. Like, I mean, you would have hope for Tip if Liam Cal of home for Tip, you challenge in Limerick if Liam Cal took them over, I think, um, for whatever that means. Brian Lowen is staying on in Clare. This is great news for Clare after two good years under him with all the, with all the problems. A little bit of childish stuff from the, the Clare County Board. Um they recommended him, the county board executive recommended him. It still has to go to the clubs. But then they said in the announcement, the recommendation has been approved by a full meeting of Clare County Board. Brian Lowen is aware of this recommendation. Like, I mean, you know, it's such a thing to say. Like, I mean, there's clearly a breakdown in communications. Don't get on well. There was no need for that last sentence. And it's just telling the whole country, kind of like things aren't great between the manager and the county. We kind of can read between the lines, but like just silly stuff. Anyways, yeah. Brian didn't take the bait anyways. He's happy to to accept it. He's delighted to get three years. That's what he wanted. So I suppose, you know, it, maybe it was important for Brian to come out and accept, accept it straight away. Yeah, maybe that's what they were forcing him into doing. Who knows what the hell's yeah, going look, on? I think, I think I, if it was me involved in a situation, like that, I'd just prefer to keep things behind closed doors and just say... Brian Lawner's the new manager now going forward. I said all this nonsense. That, like, yeah. It's hard enough to manage a team and, and you definitely need your county board men with you, to, you know, to get a few bits and pieces or whatever you need to do. But it's it makes the job for Brian a little bit di- more difficult than when, when there's stuff like that going behind the scenes and he's never quite sure what the hell they're actually doing, you know. So let's concentrate on the players and let's concentrate on this. But still at the back of your mind is what's these guys, you know, because the, the, these county board lads are around the, the, the inter-county setup all the time, whether they turn up to train, they're there 
there on the bus at matches and they're there in the dressing rooms and someone can be hard to shake off, you know. And I remember at the start of this, I don't I mean I don't mean shake off, but I mean when you're coming. <laughs> Did they still go on the buses now, or is that all gone? Well, they were still going on the buses when I was still there. And really, you know, I remember the very. Very start of my career with uh, with some certain people involved in, in in county board committees, they'd be coming into the dressing room and they'd be going around giving little pep talks to lads. Like it was, <laughs> and not saying they're doing that now, but like when you're in that setup and you're and you're 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 ready to go in a game, you, you don't need any extra people in the dressing room. It's just you're just looking around, going, "That's irritating me. I don't need. You know, he's only in here to listen to what's going on, and yeah, you feel yeah. like that is going to be getting out. Like you're just here. Where you're and where was he? You know, when we were training in January and February and March. Like, but the, the dressing room's definitely gone. Whatever about the bus, they don't go into dress. They weren't. They were, I think it was Liam Karen stopped them coming into the dressing room way. You know, fifteen years ago with us, they're not. The, or maybe just a McNulty. I can't remember. But they're surely the county board officials are not. Uh, well, uh, the last while. Um, um, they were still knocking around, but the, knocking like, around. I think the, pro- the the situation with with Dublin the county board are so good, we do, that, and they get on with the lads, and there's no issue. Like if John Costa floats her into the dressing rooms, hey John, how are you? There's no there's no big deal. Like or it's whoever it is, there's no, there's no problem because they know themselves that they may come in, but they 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 they're not going to be standing around listening to what's going on or whatever. But, right. and, and I think the relationship in my situation was always really good, so there was wasn't a major thing. Um, but at the at the start, it's just sometimes irritating when when county board lads are, are, are in places where they really shouldn't be. And, and that was irritating me sometimes at the early start. It was like, what are these lads in here for? Like, we're here trying to win a game and we don't need any of this. And OK, they, some of them have their jobs where they write out the subs, slips or whatever <laughs> it is, but they were just making up jobs just to be around at times. Yeah. What, what about Tip, uh, Paddy? How did the evolution of county board officials on buses and in dress rooms kind of, how did it evolve during your career? <laughs> well, there's. I think there's a couple of stories from when Babs was Babs was manager. I think I think a player or two was sitting on the ground in the bus for a county board officials or a couple of friends. So I think that 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 story Jeez, was going man. around from 2007. I think from when they played Wexford in the quarter final. But uh, generally speaking, uh, yeah, you would definitely have a few there. I do think it was lessened and lessened as it went on. Uh, certainly before the game, I don't think. And if you're involved for the good of the team, I don't think it's any place for a county board official inside Agreed. that dressing room, certainly before the match. I have no issue with being there afterwards. And you know what? A lot of them do shitty jobs like like that I would never want to do, like administration stuff. And some of them would do anything. You know, they'd wipe your backside for you if they thought it might get you over the line in All-Ireland. So I have huge respect for them. They put a lot of time into it. But, um, yeah, before the match, no, because it's it's... There's a sanctity in there, like, and you say things inside the dressing room before a match that if there's a repeated back to you sober or, you know, in the cold light of day, you go, you face palm yourself. So, um, yeah, it's no place for anyone um, apart from the players and who's been there. As Connell said, who's trending the shit and muck in January and February, yeah, that's that's the person that needs to be there in the dressing room with you. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely it. It's always a source of amusement for players, these lads knocking about and they think they're running the show yeah. and you're wondering what the hell they're doing here and their nose would be put out of joint completely if they weren't seen as being very important yeah. to this kind of setup. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a weird dynamic, isn't it? That is, it is. But look, I, they do have their jobs but I think they don't need to cross that line where you come into the dressing rooms and yeah. after, I, after if, is no problem yeah. whatsoever. If I was a county board official, I'd be around to help but I would when a manager starts speaking, I'd walk out the dressing room. Yeah. Yeah, it should be the case. It should be the case. And I, and look, the last, that that only started at the start of my career. I remember being with John Bailey. He, because he, he was so passionate about hurling and he wanted to do, he wanted to do the best things for it. But and since whatever, the last maybe 10 years that I was playing, 
there was it was no issue whatsoever because the lads were so good. They knew the story. They knew that they were they just come in and do it with bits and pieces and they're gone again or whatever's there to float around and they'd get on with all the lads. It's yeah, not yeah. as if you wouldn't ever see them or you wouldn't know and they'd be there at the club games and you know they'd know you then they'd have the chat with you then. So it wasn't a big as if who's your man coming in like it's not wasn't really getting it wasn't like that. But the start yeah. it was a little bit. But look they they have their place and it's it's a it's an important job what they do. But on game days. No thanks, not in the dressing room, for me anyway. Exactly, I'd be the same. Right, we'll come back and we'll pick our All-Stars team. Okay, so the GER All-Stars team, hopefully we can find a consensus. We don't get a a live uh, video stream of the actual All-Star selection committee. But we, we we can do our one here. Owen Murphy versus Nicky Quaid Connell, I suppose, is the is the, the obvious place to start. Not an easy choice. No, no, not an easy choice. And I think the Sunday game picked up on the point with with uh, with you know maybe he's gonna yeah, Quaid is gonna suffer from ha- being so successful team and having such a good defensive unit like James McGarry yeah. did. Like and and McGarry was one of the best keepers. Like it's just set, he wasn't making those outstanding saves because he didn't need to. He was doing the simple things right, and his puckouts were excellent. But yeah, I don't think he ever got an all star. Like so, um, that's that that was strange. And I, I would probably go for Murphy because he made those unbelievable saves uh, in a couple of rounds, and his puckouts are out, outrageous, and his his freeze that he can take, you know, that that he lands, it's just, it's just unbelievable and. Um, I don't think um, Nicky Quaid did anything really major wrong. It's just I, I'd probably give it to to Murphy a, a, a little bit just because of those big flashy saves he made. Really, yeah. is it? It's Brendan Cummins versus McGarry. That's that, I suppose that's the the thing. The incredible saves versus the kind of slow and steady Paddy. And Brendan Cummins has an awful lot more all stars than than McGarry. Well, yeah, but I suppose I'm wrong. I, I have Pat Collins down myself. I think he's been completely overlooked here. I really, really do. Um, and I think just because he's new on the scene and he's not a huge uh, personality maybe yet, um, I think from the very start of the year, I look back at the Limerick game, his puck outs are absolutely... He, he's been asked to do a lot more than his, with his puck outs than Owen Murphy. And I also think he pulled off some brilliant saves during the year. So for me, I have Pat Collins. Every match, I was really, really impressed with him. Even the fact that they gave a lot of the puck outs back to him and he had to do a lot of more constructive things with the ball than any other uh, goalie. So for me, I pick Collins. Jesus, like, I mean, you're making me, this is a very difficult situation for me. If I go for Nicky Quaid, we oh, could be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have to come down with Collins or Murphy or else we can't move on here. Yeah. We have a complete stalemate. Yeah, I'm, going to go, I'm going to go with Murphy. I will take the save on Owen Kelly, I think, uh, Paddy, he didn't know much about that. That kind of hit him rather than he saved it, I think. I, t- I take your point on the puck outs. I think Owen Murphy's been so spectacular spectacular um, and to be honest that's probably the only all-star Kilkenny are going to get um, so I'll go with um, Owen Murphy we all agree Sean Finn in the right corner back position yeah. no real debate there there is a debate for full back is Connor Prunty versus Dan Morrissey um, an interesting one Connell we'll, we'll, or Paddy we'll go with you first on this one yeah I definitely interesting one and like even on the back end of it only Kilkenny you know Opened up a bit. Lawler was brilliant for most of the year. But look, between Prunty and Morrissey, I went for Morrissey. I actually just think Prunty has performed very well, like really, really well. But Morrissey was if nothing was getting in by him. Like literally nobody could touch him inside there. I felt like every ball that went in was just going to either be caught or certainly snuffed straight back out. The difference he made for Limerick in that Munster final was like night and day. Yeah, He just shut up shop. So for me, Morrissey, Dan Morrissey was exceptional. I, I, I go with him. What about you, I went with Prunty. Um, 
just the fact that I think he, he was he was excellent all season, really good. And I think the uh, when Callan got the two goals, uh, a few scores earlier on in him, it, that was so easy for for him to just go into himself and, and you know and and, and realise, oh Jesus, this is a nightmare now. This could be a nightmare. But instead, he just absolutely stepped out of himself and and really attacked at everything. And I don't think uh, Seamus got a, a touch of the ball early no. after that. Like so, great credit f- for that. And he really drove the water for team on this year. I think um, so. I, and yes, I agree. Marcy was is, is excellent fullback. No nonsense. No nothing major, uh, flamboyant about him. But uh, I just gave the gave the nod to to Brunty on the fact that we we'll probably have load other Limerick lads on the team. You That's know? the thing. I'm kind of are we falling into that trap of trying to keep Limerick to ten or eleven and not have them with thirty? You know, because I I went for Prunty as well because he did really well on Galan too. Uh, Morrissey never has to battle against his man the way Prunty does. Prunty always seems to be exposed and he's heroic and yeah. Dan Morrissey just kind of, they're so structured and leave their defenders in their positions. Morrissey's never exposed. He's brilliant and he's under the high ball brilliantly. I, I find Conor Prunty's more, stands out more as, you know, a, an exceptional Well, it's the football. same situation for the goalie because of the system that they have yeah, defensively yeah. that they never really get exposed so they just do their nice and, whatever they do is nice and neat and, and, and nothing too exciting about yeah. it but, like I take a, a fullback like that or a cornerback that doesn't get too excited and and doesn't do anything too flamboyant all the time and he just does his job. That's enough. But but you'll ne- you'll never see like you see poor Connor Prunty. He could have to sprint out to the far wing to chase Galan. Whereas mm-hmm. Dan Morrissey, you've, I've never seen Dan Morrissey chase a man out that far because you know Barry Nash will pick him up if you or Kyle Hayes will pick. Yeah. You know they they play their positions a bit more, Paddy. So I suppose maybe Dan McCormick might suffer the same way as Quaid will for just being part of an incredible system. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and he certainly doesn't have as much work to do. But I do think he was asked um, that he did very well, and I think if you look to previous games when he wasn't there, the Cork game to get ran through a couple of times. Uh, in in semi final, the monster final, two high balls, two goals. Yeah. Um, for Tipperary, he steps in. Very hard to get through him at all. So I do think okay, it doesn't look like he's sprinting left and right, but I think his men. He's he's such an athlete that um he he's out in front of him a lot of the time anyway. Look, they get protection, but I I don't want to punish him just because they get protected. I think he got tested enough that if he wasn't up to the standard, they'd have been leaking a few goals, which they did before him. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and the other corner, everybody going for Barry Nash, I suppose. Sean O'Donoghue, uh, potentially Paddy, his All Ireland final performance. He might have been in the running, but geez, that was he'd such a bad day at the office. He's nearly ruled himself out. Yeah, and I would have had him as, as the other cornerback before that. And I don't think it's all based on the All-Ireland, but it, it is a big one. And just I, I just felt sorry for him because, yeah, he had a tough in the final, but I don't I don't care who was in the corner. It could be Nolly Canning in there or uh, whoever. They would have struggled, like really, really struggled because um, after a certain period of time, so much ball is coming in, so much space that um, you're just going to be picked off. And he was picked off. And uh, look at Barry Nash. Again, he's never in the last few years being attacked as a cornerback like I'd love to see him have to defend his corner a guy twisting and turning he hasn't had to but the way he plays probably has a massive effect as as the player goes on out the field and like he's a natural forward or midfielder I've seen him play there at a young age and you can see where he's picking men out and he's attacking the play and look at yeah, as far as his job goes he played excellently all year Agree on that, Connor? Yeah, exactly the same okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, So half-back line I went for Dermot Burns Declan Han and Kyle Hayes uh, can anyone make a case for that <laughs> against that Connell? No, I think that's fairly. I think everyone would. Well, I'm sure everyone would agree on that. Like that's the best halfback line I can see in in the country at the minute. And um, 
It's, it, it is strange to have three of the one team in the half-back line, but they're the best three there, so you couldn't argue against it. Well, maybe Paddy could, but I couldn't put any argument up against it that would, that would uh, oust any of them. I know I know. you mentioned uh, Tommy Walsh, uh, Brian Hogan and JJ, and then JJ went into full-back. The half-back line I always admired was Gardner, Curran and O'Halpine. Like, that was the, just the power. There's similarities, isn't there, Paddy? Absolutely. Definitely with all those three half-backs, I think. Powerful in the air, strong men, uh, breaking out with tackles. And if they go well on a day, then you're under serious pressure. Um, so no, they're a brilliant half back line. Now, look, at I would have had probably Tim O'Mahony in. I think Tim O'Burns had a great year, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think Tim O'Mahony really stepped up. And OK, the final wasn't brilliant, but I think a lot of Cork guys struggled in the final. But I think he drove them on. Uh, if you look at it, he was awesome going forward. Tim O'Burns, brilliant, played his position very well. But to me, Tim O'Mahony did extra things during the game, scored his, you know, got his goals, or I think he got a goal or two, got points, uh, broke tackles. And Bear, obviously, that brain fart in the semi-final uh, for the goal, I think he had an unbelievable game that day as well. So look, I w- apart from that, I would have just had O'Mahony wing back, but... I wouldn't, if somebody said Dermot Burns was the odds there, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't uh, take much on me either. Yeah, I was kind of, you're kind of ruling, it's, it's, it's unfortunate with the final really, you got so much, like Tim O'Mahony got roasted by Groot Hegarty yeah. and I'm ruling him out for that, even though he was heroic in the semi-final. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate, like, I mean, if he if they'd lost the semi-final, Tim O'Mahony could be, you yeah, know, in the line. Yeah, that's always one. been the way that was, yeah. it like, a, yeah. nearly if, if, yeah, exactly, if they lost the semi-final, he probably would be in, but they probably the final gets a lot of, gets a lot of weight yeah. um, and, they just didn't perform a lot of them, so they're probably going to suffer because of it. Looks like they're going to suffer. Like we're look, could be looking at a situation where Cork are only getting one one All Star. William O'Donoghue, Jamie Barron in midfield. Uh, Paddy, where did you go on that? Same as you, yeah. Just that Will O'Donoghue is just like the Terminator. I don't know. It's like he's a different character, a robot on the field. I don't know what it is, but he's like he's like a Bond henchman or something. He's just mean and in a great way. I think it's brilliant. And he doesn't let anyone go. He's always there in the ruts. I see. He just walks into ruts sometimes. He doesn't even go for the ball. He just shoves lads out of the way. <laughs> but, uh, class, class player. He just class clears player. through it like a rugby player. Yeah, like just le- what's cleaning it out? Is cleaning that what it's called? Out, yeah. Like yeah. I mean, yeah. but and even they identified William O'Donoghue in the final. They brought on Damien Callan. Damien Callan ran in. He would be similar enough size, but not the same square shoulder. And he was trying to sew it into Donoghue. Donoghue like didn't even care less. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I don't know why Cork didn't actually probably try and start like that. Maybe to try and in- with a bit of physicality. Yeah. Midfield, yeah. maybe they regret that. Yeah, they went with two kind of lightweights in midfield. Yeah, no, I I agree with O'Donoghue. I just put in because I rejigged maybe a few things up front, but I put in Tony Kelly in midfield. I, yeah, I think you could probably pick him anywhere. Like, but I think some of his performances this year were off the charts. Like, so he has to be in somewhere. And for me, I put him in midfield. Right, you're making room. You're losing, or you're making room for an extra forward. You see, Tony. For me, Tony Kelly played full forward or centre forward, so I'm ruling him out for midfield. I, I should have explained GAR rules. You can't oh, pick well, a player you out. Can't <laughs> send me the rules now afterwards. <laughs> well, anyways, William Madonna and Jamie Barron, the jury has spoken um, in midfield. Then I, I okay, Paddy. Who did you go in a half forward line? I presume. To- Look, it's easy enough, really. Tony Kelly, Keen Lynch, Tom Morrissey. Is there any surprises in this one? No, that's that's my one anyway. I think Tom Morrissey, just consistency all year. Maybe the first day out didn't go great, but after that he got the message. And even when Tipper playing well, he was still in that match in, in the first half. Keen Lynch has brought it to another level, which I don't know, did we see happening? So, yeah. And then Tony Kelly, because he had in a fixed position, I feel like, okay, Rod Hegarty had a steady year, very, very good final, but I think Tony Kelly was spectacular and I think it's easy to slip him in there. 
Yeah, Garrod Hegarty might be. You know, did you try to fit Garrod Hegarty in? Uh, I was. Yeah, I, I was, but I think I was. I, I put in Jack O'Connor because I think like you have to. I have to be putting in Cork lads somewhere because they got to the final. Really, that's what I was looking at. And yeah, he probably loses out. Hegarty, he was really good. He was good. Um, the match winner really in the final. Yeah, he was. He, got the he was, he was excellent, excellent. Uh, and uh, you can't, you couldn't give, uh, not give one to to Marcy And Lynch is is, is cast iron in yeah. there. So uh, I just had to. I just put in Jack O'Connor because of the scores he got, and he was very good. Okay, he had a, he had a disastrous final, I think, but other than that, he was excellent. And yeah, you could make an argument for Hegarty to go in there because he had such a good final, and he was just he just he did okay with the rest of the season. So. It's it's much and much, but like I suppose you have to have the the team that got to the final represented anyway. Yeah, you couldn't have a full team without them. That's the thing. Like you could honestly make a case to give the entire Limerick team the All Stars, and you would ab- be able to win a lot of arguments to say that yeah. that's the team. You're almost trying to acknowledge these different teams for getting to the stage, but they weren't better than the Limerick yeah, team. No, no. Like, you know, it's in a crazy All Star year. The actually, how many did Kilkenny get in 08? Did it? Were they up around eleven as well? Um, Paddy, do you remember? No idea, no idea. I think they remember, were. I think they, they were because they, been, yeah. owned it. they hammered everybody in the I, way. I, look, lads, I, I, I think, I think it's bull trying to put it around to different. But yeah, it's great to win odds there. But I just think, like, you know, should Barry Nash miss out because there's a lot of Limerick lads like he, because yeah. he he's not a big personality. They might just leave him out of it or some other guy in the team there. Will O'Donnell who left out last year, like, should have been maybe because he had a high profile. I just think if you if you put in the airs and you're good enough team. It won't always be like this. They'll always have different ones, and I think it should be. And I think it should be in their position. I think this is, it's a media, it's a, it's a, it's a media thing most of the time, and I think it's rubbish. And it should be picked on your merit, and that's it. I, I figured out from watching uh, Limerick playing that Tom Morrissey plays a very unusual. He. He bre- you know the two spaces that are left for Flanagan and Gallant. Mm. He breaks back into those spaces. That's why he gets so many points. Like it's unusual. Like I mean, he he's always pop. He pops in up in those spaces just as much as Flanagan does, yeah, for example. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. where he's getting so many points from play. I went full forward line. Aaron Gallant, Seamus Flanagan, and Patrick Horgan. Patrick Horgan was top scorer in the championship. For those reasons, I put him in. Jack O'Connor, Jason Ford, Owen Cody, like Seamus Harnady. Pro- you could say, you know, was very good against Dublin and and against Kilkenny and. Against um, and against, he was probably the best of the forwards yeah, against yeah, uh, yeah, Limerick. Yeah. Um, Galan, Flanagan, and Patrick Horgan. I went with Connell. Who did you go with? Um, I, I went with Galan, Flanagan, and Casey. And Peter Casey. Yeah, and Peter Casey. Uh, yeah, I think Horgan was good. Uh, I'm not sure he was consistent en- enough from play. Yeah, he got he gets his frees all the time. Um, and I think the fact that that he probably didn't have a massive final. Um, but I, I like yeah, yeah. Seamus the Flanagan. I think we all talked about how good he was and 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 what he brings to that Limerick team. Like yeah, I think like he only scored a point in the weekend, but he must be happy with his performance. As in, like really happy that it, like, things went really well for him and he set up. I think he might have might have set up one three or one four. Like uh, and. He's just a player that you'd love to you'd love to have on your team because he seems to do the right thing all the time. Like he, he, the perfect example was I think the game was nearly over in the second half when he came out and got that ball on say the the Hogan side. Yeah. He could have had a pot shot over his shoulder and said like I want to get on the scoreboard here again, but instead he just looked up and, and gave a nice little ball into McKay and McKay could have went for a goal, you know. So and he that's that's his game and and that's the whole ethos of the whole Limerick thing. It's all about the team and it's all about giving the ball to the best position and. That's that's summed them up for me. That and his touches, 
is, is, is as good as Galan's. Like, he never seems to miss touch it because those balls coming in at pace, trying to get them on your hurl, like, it looks really easy and they, they do it really well, but it's very, very hard. You know, sometimes that ball can just skid off and next thing, you're, the, the full back gets the ball and they're attacking and you look like a bit of an agent. Yeah. Like, and when so, you're running as fast as him towards the ball. Yeah, so it's like difficult. It's, it's yeah. difficult, you yeah, know. Yeah, it is difficult. So look, I gave it to him for that. And yeah. Galan, uh, just for for his, for his scores that he gets. He gets crucial scores and goals. And I think for Casey to get, what did he get, five, five points? Yeah, he was on. That's, uh, well, I won't say that's who I, I was. I sent him a text for an interview and I told him you were on course to get 15 points. I thought that might kind of... Uh, <laughs> It didn't work out. What's no. your full forward line, Paddy? Same as yours, only I have Casey in for Galan. Um, I think he's been very, very good all year. I think Galan has been good in spots, and I think he's set up well for a lot of his scores and a lot of his big scores. But I think Casey comes out and wins some really hard ball in tighter situations, makes unbelievable runs. And I think without him, they'd struggle a lot. But I, I, I thought Peter Casey was brilliant and uh, I'd hate Martin. Absolutely hate Martin. So, so like considering the teams that everybody's picking here, that you would be you could easily make a strong case for for fourteen Limerick players and the only one would be Jamie Barron beating Darrow Donovan. Possibly, everybody yeah. else, everybody else, you make a strong case for being. Oh, Donovan being, is even a strong case. Yeah, he he, yeah. he, he was unreal in the final. He was yeah. consistent all year. Barron had a couple of good, few spectacular games there in the quarterfinals and the semi-final. Yeah, the, 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 the Galway tip game. Games, was yeah. Over, yeah, and then the game was over. He scored three or four points full four. But Donovan was unbelievable as well. So I, you could make a case for everyone. Yeah, but there's no way that the lads that pick this on the media, there's no way they're going to do that. Like they're going to spread it around as much. Oh, they as will. They will. That's, they will. The, that's just the but nature be, of it. Like, yeah, but if you're looking, which at is it, wrong, and I agree with Paddy, you need to get picked in your position. Like, you know, okay, I'm picking Tony Kelly. I picked him midfield. Did he play there? Not really. And you're fitting him in to fit other lads. Yeah, in. yeah. I think that's wrong. I think you need to go up against. If I'm full forward, I'm going up against a full forward from Cork or from Kenny, or whatever it is, and whoever's the best gets it. Well, that's it. Well, then, then Tony Kelly's going up against Keen Lynch. You lose out, or Seamus Flanagan. You probably, you know, there's a head-to-head yeah. that you're worth talking yeah. about. They don't do it that way anymore, which is unfortunate. I'm always complaining about that every year. Young Player of the Year, lads. Uh, it looks like uh, Shane Barrett. I can't think of any other even nominations, which is a strange one. And Shane Barrett came on as a sub. He's a very young player, obviously. You're not criticising me. Started the semi-final, didn't have a great game and was dropped for the final. And we're looking at this could be your Player of the Year. Now, you're thinking about Tony Kelly in 2013, Tyg de Burke in 15, Cahill Barrett 14, Ozzy Gleeson 16, Connor Whelan 17. Like these were shoe wins. These were young players where you're going, whoa, Jesus, mm. he's come on this year and he's been one of the best players in the team. Last year we couldn't pick a young player of the year, Paddy. We gave it to Owen Cody, ended up getting without being incredible. Is, can we read something into this? What's the analysis of this? I'm, I'm trying to. I think, I think what it might be is that um, the senior level, physically, the senior level has just gone to a huge standard. And uh, it used to be years ago, like a Cahill Barrett would say, because I can remember him being there. He came onto the panel, uh, trained away for the winter, played the challenge matches and kept playing onto the team. Like I would say it seldom happens now where a guy comes in the winter, does his strength and conditioning well enough, plays all the challenge matches that he's onto the team like that. Like David Clifford did it in the football. But there's not too many more who are coming into the panel and are ready for championship hurling and ready then to be good enough to be young player of the year. So maybe we just haven't had that prodigy for the last few years. 
But certainly, it feels like the levels they have to get to is a little bit more than a few years ago. Yeah, Young Coughlin from Limerick, if he was any other county, he'd probably be Young Player mm. of the Year because yeah, yeah, he looks yeah. like he's really, really ready. He just can't break onto that half. Yeah, but, you know, So yeah. maybe the, the outstanding young players could be coming through Limerick. Only how do you break onto that team? Yeah, no, it is difficult. It is difficult. And yeah, he's, Paddy's probably right. Maybe we do need to look at it. I think it's it's under twenty one. Really, it's for the for the for the young player here. Maybe they just need to push it out to maybe twenty three. You know, just to to give those lads a chance now because Jack O'Connor would be in there then. Jack O'Connor would be in yeah. there. And he he would probably get the nod if that was the case. Yeah, but um, yeah, they're probably it's it's it is hard to see who who's out there for a young player of the year. There's not many people really putting their hands up for it, but. Um, It'll probably go to Cork this year, I'd say, yeah. Yeah. Um, Player of the year, lads, I think we'll all agree it's Keane Lynch. It's hard to see, like, I mean, it's impossible to find anybody else unless you he, he have speak up. Like, I mean, he's a, he's a freak. He's so good at I think Henry Shefflin said he's the best player that's ever played a game, and that's incredible mm. praise. Keane Lynch is 25. Yeah. I think it's over the top praise by Hen- Henry at this stage of his career. I think he will end up being because he plays hurling like no one we've ever seen before, Connell. So, like, I mean, I think well, Henry look, he's might... another 10 years, doesn't he, to play? Yeah. Like, really, if he... And in the shape he's in, definitely 10 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is... He this... doesn't drink or smoke or do it. Like, he's not, no. you know, into any this is the kind of... This is the second play- player of the year, isn't it? Yeah, but now I don't think he deserved the first... I, <laughs> I wouldn't have had him as the, fir- the first year he got. He definitely deserves it this year. Yeah, he does. Look, he's outstanding. He's, I think he's, he's way above everyone else at the minute. Um, his level of skill and his touch and um, I would have said his temperament up until that maybe probably was a brain fart there in the, in the, when he pulled your man over his shoulder. But other than that, unbelievable skill, unbelievable player and um, to go and score five points in, in an All-Ireland when probably uh, he would have been earmarked by Cork, you would have thought to, to hone in on because he's the man of this, 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 this team that makes a tick. And he still went and did what he did um, and he fully deserves it. Yeah, exactly. Here's some stats on him. I didn't want to go into that tackle because I don't want to seem like we're going on and on about it because we talked about it um, on Monday. He, he OK, the center, he registered four line breaks. Now, I never heard of line breaks in Gaelic <laughs> games before. That's a, a rugby term. But he, he obviously broke the line. We say broke the line, don't yeah. we? He broke through the line four times. He completed 100% of his passes three stick passes and eight hand passes which the hand passes thing like I mean that's what he does keeps it ticking over easy and you know settles into his team we know like when you think how freakily skillful he is to think that he's just doing the simple hand pass all the time shows that he has no ego here's an incredible stat Paddy like I mean I nearly blew, blew it away this was in the Irish Examiner um he, in the most congested area of the field, Lynch has completed 45 of his attempted 48 passes during the championship. 94%. In Gaelic games, footballer, in hurling. Like, I mean, it's just off the charts. He's misplaced three passes in an area of the field where there's bloody yeah. bodies going all over the place. And that's the key. Like, uh, as a cornerback coming out, I should be popping most balls. But I know once I beat my men, there's probably nobody else around me. He's there. He doesn't know where lads are coming from, but he, he, he's humble. But I'm a little like you. A few years ago, I thought it was over-the-top stuff because he was the nephew of a great hurler, obviously, in Limerick. But over the last couple of years, especially since his move to centre-forward, he's been unmarkable. And apart from being a brilliant player, and if you marked him all day, man-marked him, it's hard enough. Um, but what he does to your team, and you thinking about your whole team as a whole, um, and the problems he gives you it's unbelievable because anywhere he goes you have to get on top of him uh, but I suppose the biggest thing about him we're talking about him as one of the best players ever and he's not the greatest scorer ever and it's because he's 
he's an all-around player. Like he's going out to the field to enjoy it, but to ha- to pass the ball off to the man in the best position. And oftentimes he'll pass it even when his own score is on. And I think he, he as a left-hander, he probably mixes up a TJ Reid, mixes it in with um, probably a Lark Harbour with his 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 passing ability, and he just has all those things together. And as you said, you know he's he's in such physical shape. Like it's, um, he's he's so strong. Like I I marked him one of his first games in fifteen, I think. And I tell you, I was very lucky. I met him when he was 18 or 19 because any man trying to go up against him now has it all to do. Yeah, he definitely. Kind of corner forward, was he, when he when he made his first year or two? Mm. But anyway, here's the thing. So he scored five points in the second half, uh, six points in total. And you might say, oh, the game was over in the second half when he scored the five points. And, you know, he wasn't even being marked and it was showboating stuff at that stage. If you wanted to be a dickhead and try mm. to run down his performance. How about his first half performance when the game was in the melting pot? He was on the ball seven times. He provided did the assist for 2-4 direct yeah. assist and scored a pint yeah. so when the game was in and we were saying on Monday when the game was in the melting pot against Tip he drove he drove that comeback through his performances in the air as a battler and kind of on the ground as well he on Sunday he had nine tackles with three turnovers these numbers are off the charts when yeah. you add them all up um, he won a rook ball and, incept, and intercepted an opposition delivery in the championship Lynch has averaged six tackles per game Almost two turnovers per game, two interceptions, a rook ball one and a breaking ball one per match. That's not... Like, if you wanted him as predominantly you're a hard bit of stuff at centre forward, like a Declan Ryan back in the... You know, win us a few balls, get in ar- around a few bodies. You would say of those numbers, Jesus, we have a right good lad there. Yeah, now. Yeah, and yeah. take away all the skill. Take yeah, away all yeah. the skill. Look, he's, he's changed position centre forward, you, 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 Declan Ryan or, or John Power or whoever. Yeah. You know, you're in there just to keep the ball moving and not let the centre back curl, like... He has changed the whole thing and his skill set, his, his, his ethos of the team, and we've, we've talked about it and talked about it. He, he's just an incredible player and to, to have a player like that with, with so much ability and, and to be, I'd say to be playing beside him is great because you know if you make the move or whatever it is, he's going to give you the ball. Yeah. He's going to give it to you. He's not, he's not one of those lads that's going to be hitting the ball over the shoulder and drops wide and he goes, ah, so geez, sorry, I should have passed that. That's, we all try and do that. But like, yeah, he, he does. He gives the ball always at the right time, even though he could probably take a score himself with his, with his, with his ability. But um, it, it's just incredible. And look, he fully deserves everything he's getting because um, he, he's been, I think, outstanding all year when at times you were, you were right in saying that it didn't look good for Limerick and maybe in the first half against him, but he was still the main man going at it and going at it and, and getting those vital scores and, and working really hard. And, um, and he had just, you know, a dream uh, game on the weekend. And look, all the stats back up, back up one of those performances. And I don't know where you're getting all those stats from. But uh, is it Brian McDonald? Is a tip man? Is he uh, Paddy in the in the? Yeah, yeah, big into analytics. Yeah, yeah, in the uh, Irish Examiner. Anybody? That's a great when you have a group performance. They just, they, yeah, they just seem. But to... even the stats across the year, like I mean, it's just phenomenal yeah, yeah. what he's doing. I love a stat when it backs up what you're already kind of thinking, and yeah. you go, "Geez, it's that good." Yeah, yeah, you know, rather than anything else. Anything about the Keen Lynch, Paddy, or will we leave it? there for the year no he's unbelievable that's it yeah that's it <laughs> case closed case closed <laughs> so that's it uh, Keenan shoe in for for um, Hurler of the Year I don't think we completely agreed and decided on our all-stars but sure look um, everybody has different opinions one or another so Keen Lynch Player of the Year Young Hurler of the Year Shane Barrett um, as well so congratulations to them even though it means absolutely nothing really right we'll leave it there that's our last show for the year um, for Hurling it's been an absolute pleasure um, we'll talk to you all when the inter-county season starts next season of course we will be continuing on with club shows as per usual so we'll talk to you all then good luck 
no such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey and eat and a donkey and eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, belt. But I burst out laughing about him. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.